I'm Stefan Siddig, and welcome to American Theatre Artists Online, where we talk with leading contemporary figures in American theatre. You can't think of Washington, D.C. theatre without thinking of Frank Britton, a D.C. native who has been a part of the local professional theatre scene for nearly two decades. He is a graduate and faculty member of the National Conservatory of Dramatic Arts in Georgetown, and he has appeared in productions with many area theaters, including Arena Stage, Imagination Stage, Roundhouse Theater, Washington Stage Guild, Avant Bards Theater, Rorschach Theater, First Stage, Next Stop Theater Company, Theater Alliance, and Senna Theater. He has appeared regionally at Cincinnati Playhouse in the Park, Milwaukee Repertory Theater, Firehouse Theater, Baltimore Shakespeare Festival, Virginia Shakespeare Festival, Burning Coal Theater Company in Raleigh, North Carolina, and Off Off Broadway at La Mama ETC in New York City. In 2018, he earned the Helen Hayes Award, DC's equivalent of the Tony, for his performance in Jesus Hopped the A Train. Hi, Frank. Hi, Stefan. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And yourself? I'm doing fine. I'm so happy that you were able to do this. Thank you for coming on American Theatre Artists Online. My pleasure. And thank you for inviting me and asking me. Absolutely. Of course. You know, I when I'm thinking of people that I want to talk to for this program and people that I, my listeners, I think, will want to hear from, I always think about people that have always, you know, been in my mind that have come to my attention and the work that they've done. And, you know, whether it be in the DC area or in New York or anywhere, really, it's people that um, I think are doing a varied amount of work in a lot of different places and have something to say. So that's why I thought I'd talk to you, Frank. <laughs> so, oh, 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 absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to start off by saying, um, you know, um, how are you doing? Is everything okay uh, with the pandemic? And how are you holding up with all these different things that are going on in this crazy 2020 that we're living? I, I've been doing mostly okay. Um, I'm I'm kind of a solitary person, always been that way. And, you know, I, you know, I haven't been as social uh, in recent times, even though I would go out to shows and everything still. But um, now I've always been a solitary person and, and to myself a lot, very introverted. I'm sort of an ambivert, a mix of extroverts and introverts. And uh, but definitely more introverted these days. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. Especially with this, especially with the pandemic, um, but I've been valiantly doing my best to take care of myself and um, do uh, just kind of get through get through the day. And I'm, I'm always worried about everyone else and and others. I, I don't really focus on myself so much. Mm, that helps because yeah. I've because I've just been I've always been that way where I've, I'm always worrying about other people. That's just a. I've just been a natural born warrior <laughs> that way, <laughs> yeah. And and, uh, and that's just and that's just me, and and that's just me. But I, I've been doing my, my best to take care of myself. Good friend, and friends have been checking in on me, and vice versa. And um, because I live alone as well, so mm-hmm. um, and I know my, my mother. You know, she checks in on me every day because she. She worries about me. And that's I'm her, her job. Only son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's her job. Oh, you're an only. I'm an only child. I'm an only child as well, Frank. So I think. Well, that, no. 
Oh, no, I'm not an only child. Oh, you're child. only I'm son. Only, I'm, a, I'm our only son. Oh, I and, see, sorry. And uh, I'm, I'm the oldest of my father's six. Oh. And I'm the, oldest, I'm the oldest of my mother's two. And uh, my sister is right behind me. Then I have four younger brothers and sisters and one other younger sister. And my youngest sister is 20, I believe, now. And uh, now before 41 in August. So we, there's a big age gap. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's nice that you have a big family. Um, but uh, Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So how, how did, so of that family, are you all theatrical or did you find the stage? No. And how did you, how did you get your start on stage? Was there someone or something that inspired you? No, uh, I wouldn't say, but the very first performance, no, no one in my family is theatrical. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did have one person in my family was my late grandfather, my maternal grandfather, who passed seven years before I was born. He was a well-known musician, mm-hmm. and he, he played all over um, U Street back when it was in its day and and I'm from Northwest DC originally and I grew up in Northwest Northeast and then when I was eight we moved a step over the border into Hyattsville Maryland spent some more of my formative years there then I moved back to DC proper 17 years ago now so I've spent more of my life in DC than anywhere else and I'm a a rabidly proud native Washingtonian. All right, but, um, that's good. I'm a native yeah. Washingtonian as well. I was born in Georgetown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I was born at Columbia Hospital. Yeah, I was born at Columbia Hospital for Women. Uh, oh, my sister and I, uh, which has now since been well, 17 years ago it shut down. Now there are condos, uh, which is kind of surreal when you look at it. But um, yeah, I know where those. No one. Those are on Pennsylvania yeah, Avenue, no, right? Well, the. The hospital was, is on, well, now the condos, they're on L Street, which oh. is right off of Pennsylvania. Yes. So that's, that's the West End neighborhood yeah. of D.C. DC that's yeah. in between. Yeah. In, yeah, that's in between Foggy Bottom and Georgetown. Yes. And, um, uh, but no, there are not many artists in my family. Uh, it was just mainly my grandfather and myself. So no one the, else. So how did you get? Really. So how did you get to the theater? Like, how was it something that you started as a child? Well, well I grew up. Uh, yeah, I, no, I didn't start as a child. I grew up uh, basically in front of the television, <laughs> and, oh. and I read, and I and I and I read a lot. I love movies, mm-hmm. and I love plays as well. I loved theater growing up. I didn't see it a whole lot growing mm-hmm. up as a child. But I did see my first play at five years old. It was in 1984. And it was uh, while I was in kindergarten at J.C. Knoll Elementary. And it was a traveling troupe of actors. I think they were going around touring. And it was was a play called The Golden Goose. It was a comedia style. It was a comedia style play for kids. Mm -hmm. And the one actor I remember from that show. I mean, there were all there were men, but the one actor I will always remember and I'll never forget her, she was a tall, she was a very tall, striking actor. And and she was she was just statuesque and she glided across the stage and she was um she was wearing kitten heels. I do remember she wore kitten heels and she wore kind of a uh she wore kind of um like a a sundress in a way. And I remember her, fly, she was flying back and forth, you know, and um, 
just going it was it was amazing to see her like just do what she did and I, I don't even remember a single thing that the men did in the show but i do remember i do remember her and uh, to this day i i wish i remembered her name but i do remember the play it was called the golden goose and they had a prop of the golden goose which was this big goose that almost kind of looked like a fancy stuffed animal but it was uh that was my first introduction to live theater uh, when I was five. And then over time, I saw plays mainly on film. And then um, right, it was around maybe 1997, I went back to the theater because I saw a group of high school children from, all of, from the region. Mm -hmm. They were all performing a production of Twelfth Night mm -hmm. at at uh, the Shakespeare Theater, at Shakespeare Theater Company. So that was more like my reintroduction into live live theater and, and seeing folks act on stage. Mm -hmm. But I didn't, uh, but I wanted to be a film composer though. That was oh. my, that was my goal. Well, wait, uh, so the there's the music, was, that's the music connection again from your family that you mentioned. Yes. That music in your family. Yeah. Uh-huh. I wanted to be a film composer from the time I was five. So that was my goal. I was training around that time uh, when I was making the shift mm -hmm. to um, become, become an actor and train to become an actor. I was training with a piano teacher because I was training in preparation to um, go uh, hopefully attend uh, the Berkeley College of Music. Uh -huh. That was my... That, that was my goal. And then when I was 19 and a half turning 20, I came at that proverbial crossroads, if you will. And I said, you know, I've always loved theater. I've always loved film and television, acting itself, the craft itself. And why not train? Why not begin training, seeing what happens and, and see, see where I go from there. And so the very first course, I took. It was a three-month weekend course at, at Shakespeare Theatre Company. This was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I went to every class, every weekend, for three, every Saturday for three months. It was the most basic, fundamental course they had at the time, uh, the Fundamentals of Acting. And uh, Andrew Long was the instructor. And I, um, and I, and I loved it. I loved it, but I didn't know a single thing about what I was doing. <laughs> I didn't know a thing. You know. So that's um, amazing. So as an adult, know, really well, young, very, very young adult, you, you're, you yeah. know, just out of teenage years, you, you went into it and, and, and thought you'd give it a shot and get some training and, yes. and you went right to the yeah. Shakespeare theater company, which is amazing. That's pretty gutsy. You went right in there. Yeah. Yeah. It was a class. Uh, thank you. It was a class um, full of, I remember there was a mix of people that just wanted to do it uh, mm -hmm. for their own personal reasons. And I remember there was one other woman in the class who was an actor and she was taking a class. And I remember there was another person who I think was an actor at one point, but then she became a lawyer, but then she wanted to go back. And so it was a, it was a mix of people. And I was the youngest one in the, in the class, uh, mm -hmm. memory serves. Yeah. And um, a, after my time was done there, I said, oh, there may possibly be some, <laughs> some future in this for me. So I went to the newspaper again. And this was before I was like researching on the internet and everything. 
Sure. Yeah. Because I found Shakespeare Theater in the uh, in the newspaper. Yeah. I found the National Conservatory of Dramatic Arts in the newspaper, uh. and that's uh, and that's where my history with them began. And then I went to I saw an advertisement for an open house. Went into the open house. Nan Kalfik was the first person I saw. Yeah. And she took me around. The, she took me around the building. Uh, got to meet Ray Ficka and Dennis Domage and mm-hmm. Lisa Rose Middleton mm-hmm. and John Montgomery, Barrett Khan, Nikki Gilliam. And then I auditioned. I auditioned for Mr. Domage. Uh, everyone calls him Dennis, but I still call him Mr. Domage to this day. <laughs> and, and, um, and NCDA, and, uh, as it's called, the National Conservatory of Dramatic Arts in Georgetown, for those listening, is really a pretty impressive place and it's, it's unique in DC because you have a lot of these acting schools in New York but we don't have a lot of pure conservatory uh, dramatic arts schools in DC and I believe it was Harold Clerman who founded it right the famous director Harold Clerman back in the 70s I think or 80s and I think Nan and, and, and Ray uh, took it took it over right I, I don't know absolutely exactly right but it's something like that I, th- I think Harold Clerman had he was involved in the school in some way. Yes. Uh, but, I, but, but I believe the founders, the founders were uh, C. Wayne Rudisill and oh. Reginald and Reginald Crockett, I believe their names were. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Uh, okay. Yes. Uh, the school was founded in 1975, okay. and it's an accredited institution as well. Mm. Full two-year conservatory program with an additional one-year graduate acting program. I think it's I so could, wonderful that, it, that that's here in this mm-hmm. area, and it, there aren't a lot of them in this a- area. Absolutely. Yeah. Abs- absolutely. And, and I've seen the, you know, and the curriculum has changed over time. You know, it's been 20 years, so sure. the... the uh, education curriculum has changed over time and, and I've seen so many students go through the program and um, and I I you know I still have a hand in the school or, or foot or a body in the school because <laughs> I, I I still go and visit you know mm-hmm. I still go and visit and uh, you know I lo- love to see what these students are up to and what they're doing mm-hmm. and uh, because the place that place changed my life it Sure. It shaped me in terms of the craft, and I learned things about myself while I was a student there. Uh, when it came to the when it came to the craft, it was my it, it let me know that there was a possible future for me in this, mm-hmm. and the reason why I wanted to become an actor was because I simply wanted to communicate with people. Since I always spent so much time alone. It was my way of wanting to simply talk to other people. Uh, That's the main reason. And it's why. a community. I mean, I mean, it really it. is a community yeah. in that yeah. church. Is yeah. are they still in that church on Volta? Because I used to teach there. Yeah. I taught there for about three years. Oh, I know. Three uh-huh. years, long time ago. Uh-huh. Uh, and I love. That's uh, where we. I think Nan that's where. Ray. That's where we met. Actually, I think I that was the first time we met. Yeah, but um, um, you know, and and I loved it, and I wanted to continue teaching, but I got another another teaching gig that was uh, more full time. But I I love the whole environment. I love the conservatory environment, mm-hmm. and I love uh, Nan and Ray. I think they are, are fantastic people, and um, they oh, yes. such a great job. It really yes, is. You're right. The way you're describing it, it is like a home for artists. It's a safe haven. It feels like to absolutely. Me. And so, what did you learn absolutely. there? You, you started talking. Absolutely. Sorry, I, I, you started talking about you were starting to develop there uh, your your craft. What did you feel? What were the main things that you took away from your work at the national and your time at the National Conservatory, Dramatic Arts? Well, 
sense of being, I mean, I never had stage fright or anything like that, but the, excuse me, I just had a little bit of water there. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's fine. Um, a feeling of being free and uh, fearless in a way mm-hmm. and uh, just being open to all of the energies around you and being receptive to all of the elements, all of the energies around you that, that can come by way of people and objects and your setting and where you are. And I incorporate all of that as an actor into my work. I take my entire environment uh, and I take it in and I, and that, and you know, it informs me It informs my work a lot. And uh, with, um, you know, Nan and Ray, they, they were always like so supportive and still are, you know, they still are. And they're just wonderful people. Mr. Damage and mm-hmm. the late great Lisa Rose Middleton, um, who was a wonderful actor, director, teacher. I learned a lot from her and she gave me my first uh, chance with August Wilson. And she, um, she passed about almost 15 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And she... The final production, well, we call them rehearsal project at the conservatory, but uh, the final projects that we did in my ensemble, there were four of us, uh, and I still keep in touch with all of them as well. Every uh, 20 years, it, it seems like the time has passed. Amazing. But she had the four, we had the four of us, she had the four of us do, this was 19 years ago, we did a production of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Three and a half hours, yeah, three and a half hours with cuts. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they ever did anything like that, but well, I, I saw no. I saw another uh, ensemble do a delicate balance. They started mm-hmm. to do a delicate balance um, semi frequently. A few times I saw productions of it because I love Albie and I love that play mm-hmm. as well. But with, with Virginia Woolf, we did that to the dead of summer, and of course I was George, and mm-hmm. it was three and a half hours with cuts, and it was just <laughs> oh, it, it was the most amazing time. Like I had a wonderful time all four of my semesters and every single thing i worked on every single class i loved it there and which is why i'm always still going back right it's like it's it's really like it is i even taught a whole yeah Yeah. and and you did um yeah i I I taught there at one time yeah i I was about to say i then i know that you've you've been back and you've taught every once in a while as well right at at some point you went, went went there and taught but while you were at ncda did they did they I mean, I think that yes. they steeped you in Al. I mean, to be be able to do that play and to do Edward Albee in a conservatory setting like that is pretty amazing. Were there other things? Were you exposed yes. to other types of plays and classics, or what other things that they put yes. you through? <laughs> yes. Uh, before that, um, you know, with rehearsal projects, uh, right before um, Albee, we did The Seagull, Mister mm. Gorn. And uh, another time I did, we did Durang, we did, um, we did Durang, we did a production of Beyond, rehearsal project of Beyond Therapy, uh, I did with Shakespeare, we did Midsummer. Wow. And I was really cast, I was really cast against type because I played Lysander. And these are all mm-hmm. rehearsal projects, um, not full, fully mounted productions, not until The Seagull and Virginia Woolf. And so the other rehearsal projects were in class studios and um i did with the greeks that we did lysistrata that Mm -hmm. was a lot of fun yeah we did lysistrata um yeah those were because we 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 had to touch on the shakespeare absurdism 
the Greeks, sure. uh, naturalism. Really, you did it all. I mean, then, and this is interesting. So yeah. now, now that yeah. I'm hearing about this and your young actor training, this makes a lot of sense now as I look at your um, body of work in the last 20 years. And it's a varied resume, right, Frank? I mean, you've done everything from yeah. Shakespeare yes. to August Wilson to yeah. classics of American theater, uh-huh. contemporary, new plays. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, of all of those, so you, you uh, were really steeped. You were ready to do all of those. You were trained, uh, it seems, well yes, out I the mean, gate. I, yes. <laughs> and which of those do you find? <laughs> which of those do you find challenge you the most? Is there I, I, not so much like what's your favorite, but what what do you find when you go? Oh, okay, that's a challenge. Is there one that you that you find more challenging than others? No, they're all challenging in varying degrees and respects there you know i've done you know children i didn't do my first children's theater production until three years ago oh wow i didn't do my i didn't do my first musical until four years ago and i love musicals i love musical theater even though i'm not a trained singer i want to be one of those uh actors those those uh, transformational or character actors who pop in maybe in an ensemble number or has one song that you know right. i can i can act my way through a and, character and, you know, part that's right. the kind that's the character parts and that's what i want to be and those are the roles i have done in the three musicals i have been in so far three wildly different musicals mm-hmm. um and children's theater i've only done two children's theater productions so far uh one at adventure theater two years ago and the other at imagination stage and uh those you know i love it all i love it all Stephen. It's, I think it shows. It, yeah, it shows you love it all because it's, it's, you know, <laughs> yeah, cause it's, it's all they're all challenging in varying ways, and you you find yourself evolving as as a craftsperson. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I've, I've done avant garde theater, I've done mm-hmm. performance art, I've done site specific performance art. You know, I, so I would love to, I'd love to say I've done a little bit of a lot of things. Not a little bit of everything. Thing, but I've done a little bit of a lot of different things, yeah. and I've been very, I've been very fortunate and very blessed uh, to have done so and to have been afforded those opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. Because you know, I'm 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 a light skinned, forty year old black actor, and you know, when I started out, or an actor who happens to be black, I like to say, the when I started out in I was twenty two when I made my professional debut, and um, I think some may have found me ethnically ambiguous at the time because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not sure if anyone knew if I was black. Right. There, you know, and it's but, a thing. Yeah. It's a thing. A lot of directors don't know what to do. It's funny to me. It's always been funny to me. Yeah, yeah, they don't know what to do when the person doesn't fit easily yeah. into any category for them. It makes their job for some reason uh, harder. But it sounds like you've done great and that directors have been able to cast you in a variety of roles. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is that, the, maybe all true. your training. That, I think your training in the beginning of being able to do all those different things at the National Conservatory, um, you were able mm-hmm. to, to, you were ready for a lot of different things. You were game sort of to do all these things, it seems. Um, and I, I think I think I, there's I, an I advantage. Was, yeah, I think there's an advantage to not being able to be put in a box. I think that's an advantage that you've taken. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. you're, totally. you're you. and I, Yeah, and you know, you have like my, uh, like uh, what my former instructor, Mr. John Montgomery said years and years ago when I first started training there. And I've always taken this to heart and I tell this to other people people and, and other actor friends I may coach or 
teach, I say, and I quote him, I say, you have what is unique to you. And I took those words to heart and I've been doing my best all these years to capitalize on that because I know I may be able to be put in the box, but I know that there's no actor like me, you know, and uh, there may be a group that look like me, (laughs) but I know that I, I have what, I have what is special to me and unique to me. And, and I do my best to mine, to mine those unique qualities that I have as an artist, as an actor, to bring to the audition room, to bring to the rehearsal room, to bring to the stage, to, to the performance space every night to the Wonder of a show. I do my very best. And, uh, but, but I love all different types of theater, all the types of theater I've done. And I mean, I've done O'Neill. I didn't do O'Neill for the first time until seven years ago. Mm. And, and it was one of my favorite O'Neills. I was so uh, thrilled to be in. It was the Iceman Comet at uh, Quotidian, wow. uh, which is yeah. uh, sadly since announced their closing. Yes. But um, I, I just have a wonderful time and, and I love bringing the, the warmth and the humor to the room and the good humor and the positivity. And I love watching other actors work. I love watching their processes because I can adapt to any other actor's process or method of working. And, uh, and I just love that. You know, I'm not one of those actors that's very vocal in the rehearsal room. Mm. I don't speak a lot because my brain isn't wired. I, I have a weirdly wired brain. My brain does not how so? It's not able. It's not able to articulate. Like if you ask me about a scene uh-huh. or how it's going to go, like in my mind, I know it's how I know how it's going to go, but I can't verbally articulate it. I have to do it. Okay. Yeah. And you know, and, and I have to uh, like I will write things down. Now, like I'm a I'm a big note taker. So my scripts are always littered with notes anything from like blocking to psychological aspects of the character you know a little bit of, a little bit of backstory you know and and uh, just a little bit because i don't want to stray too far from the script um the it's it's um i'm one of those actors that i just have to do it like i, I now, that's not to say i won't answer your question i'll answer your question but i will say i will have kind of a challenging time right so i but I, I will say, I will answer the question, but then my answers are usually verbally very short, yes. like short in terms of length. Well, like, you're, in your, like, you're working, um, it seems like you work in a, in a space then that is maybe not so about the words and more about living in your body, living in that space, putting it together in a, maybe a kinesthetic way that isn't about just absolutely verbalizing. And I think actors need to think that way because I think, uh, I think we often fall into this trap of sort of a bunch of talking heads, you know, and it's boring. The audience yeah, is that's, bored. And you, yeah. It's, and you know, that's, yeah. I mean, and that's totally fine because yes. I love, I love, lear- that's my way of learning from other actors too. Right. So I, I, I love that. I have no issues at all. That it's just that I, and I always thought that I was the weird one yeah. who didn't have a lot to say. I always thought I was the, the odd one, um, because I didn't have a lot to say because I just like, you know, I just had to get up and do it. But then as time went on and doing this years and years, I said to myself, that's, that's okay. You know, that, mm. that's totally fine because you know, folks yeah. you know I come in, it's I do process. my work. Yeah. When it, yeah, yeah. When I come in, I do my work, and you know, when there's downtime or break, you know, I we joke around, 
and then I get right back into it. And um, but I, I, you know, I can't say. Yeah, I definitely don't have a favorite type of theater. But I will say my favorite type of theater is, is any type of theater that will have me. <laughs> well, and I think that that's that ability that you have to to sort of go with the style and the feel of the different kind of play or theater. Uh -huh. And I've noticed uh -huh. that, um, and looking at your work as well, that you've worked at many of DC's well-known theaters, like a wide variety of theaters in DC. You're, just, you're not one of those actors, and that's okay too, but some actors you know, stick with one theater and work at that theater a lot. You, you've been around in the last 20 years, you've worked at pretty much almost all of DC's um, mid-size, small, mid-size, and a few of the larger ones. Um, that's pretty impressive. And so is there something, uh -huh. is there something unique that you, you think about, you're welcome, about the DC, I think you probably know the DC theater scene pretty well because you've, you've been through uh -huh. most of it uh, uh -huh. in this 20 years. So is there anything about uh -huh. the DC theater community that you've noticed, something unique about it um, that you think is different? You've also worked outside very... of DC. So. Yes, it's a, it's a very um, close-knit community. It's expansive, yet it's very close. And we all support each other, and we root for each other, and we look out for each other. And I think that's, that's um, one thing that's very unique about the DC theater scene. Uh, I actually haven't worked, I've only worked at a few of the uh, larger houses, mm -hmm. but uh, and, there, and there are some of the mid-sized that I haven't uh, worked at yet. Well, there's still but, time. Um, You're just starting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so hopefully, I, I hope they, you know, bring me on at some point, you know, down the line, uh, because, you know, I, I, uh, I love my community here. I love the community here and, and the people, and I've watched, I, I, there have been actor friends uh, that, I was in their first professional show mm -hmm. with them, mm -hmm. and I and I heard that a number of times uh, through friends over the years. And I watched them blossom and grow and do their thing, and and then I, you know, I've had the, the great um, privilege and to, to uh, it's a privilege for me, period, to be on mm -hmm. stage with anybody, mm -hmm. irrespective of your experience level or your stature or your stances. Mm -hmm. It's just a privilege just to be in the room. And it's a privilege to go in and audition. It's a privilege to go in and rehearse. It's a privilege to go in and perform. And so I'm very fortunate to, and and just blessed and thankful. I'm so thankful and grateful. And um, the community here is, is very, you know, we it's very tight-knit, close-knit, mm -hmm. but very expansive at the same time. Because you have newer faces coming onto the scene. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and then you know they're doing their thing and they're growing and they're building their resumes and yeah. and now I, I feel kind I feel kind of like old guard now, <laughs> like, it's, uh, which is which is totally fine. I, I love it, uh, but um, you know I, I was where they were and to mm -hmm. an extent and where they are and to an extent I kind of still am in, in some small way, mm, sure. but um, but that's the nice thing about it that it yeah. feels like a family and it feels like. You know, almost like you have younger brothers and sisters that you can sort of help um, because you see them going through things that perhaps you went through 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And the theater community yes, in D.C. Yes. itself has changed a lot in the last 20 years. Yes. And uh, you've been navigating yes. that those changes because as you've developed and grown your career, you've also been, 
you know, sailing the waters of the DC theater, because I remember 20 years ago when you started and I was starting up too, you know, you pretty much had a handful of theaters and, and there were, you know, and there was different types of casting. There wasn't as much competition from New York. It yeah. felt like you could really get a lot of roles yeah. or maybe smaller roles even in some of the bigger theaters. Local artists had a lot more. I thought now New Yorkers finally caught on to DC, I think a few years ago or five, six, seven years ago. And, you know, it's competitive. It is a very competitive yeah. field and you've yeah, worked in a lot of these, these theaters. Yeah. Um, but um, one of the things mm -hmm. that um, I was going to ask you, is it hard? Has it been hard to make a living as a professional actor in DC? I, mean, I guess that's like a pretty obvious question, but I remember, for example, hearing even way back when that Nancy Robinette who is like, you know, on her face is on the side of studio theater and she was really probably the grand dame yes. of DC theater for years, was a legal secretary yes. during yes. the day up until very recently. So not very recently, but I think like yeah. until she really took off. I mean, there are a lot more equity yeah. houses now, but I feel like it must still be very difficult. It, it is, and I, and I think that depends on who the person is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, my, my beloved Miss Nancy, I love my Miss Nancy. She and I were in a production of Mother Courage and Her Children oh, wow. 11 years ago. 11 years ago at Xena Theater. And I tell you, Stefan, I couldn't tell you how much of a ball and a blast and a joy it was to be on stage with an actor that I've admired for so many years and 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 still do and, and I still go see everything she's in as she's much a great as I can. Lady. Yes, yes. Yeah, she's a wonderful, wonderful person and just a love. And I and I love my Miss Nancy. And <laughs> um, and she yeah, we had a ball and she was Mother Courage. Mm -hmm. And um, but yeah, uh, it, it's it can be it can be uh, difficult. It can be challenging. I you know I. I was a. I worked a day job for many years, mm -hmm. and uh, and then I took a break and just focused on acting for a while, mm -hmm. uh, for a number of years, and then I went back to having a part time mm -hmm. job, and uh, but I was also non union for mm -hmm. many years for most of my career until a year ago when I finally turned, wow. finally turned equity, and that was, thank you. That was partially by design and mm -hmm. circumstantial. And uh, awesome. because I was in, well, I was in no rush to turn equity. And that was also because I wasn't being offered any equity contracts. Sure, and, uh, yeah. and so, you know, like the, the back when I was, when I began mm. working in the quote unquote big houses uh, back in the day, they were non-equity contracts. Yeah. And then when I went on the, but I was accruing mm. equity points. I was accruing equity points Stay, uh, assistant stage managing, understudying, and performing as parts of the main cast of shows in the larger houses. So I accrued my equity points different ways over the years. And then last year, when I went on the road with two trains running, mm -hmm. that was an equity con that was an equity contract, uh, double equity contract, and because it was a co-pro, and I had to turn. And I said, absolutely, you know, I, you know I'm ready. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I was 39 at the time. And I said, it's time <laughs> because I want to, you know, so I wanted to. So I took that leap and uh, finally, and, uh, and I'm glad I did. I don't regret it at all. So you've been and, now in, uh, talk about August Wilson's two trains running. You've been in three, uh, at least three that I could see, uh, professional productions yes. of that play now. 
Um, and You're I, correct. I was just rewatching on on on. Uh, I forget if it was Netflix or one of those, you know, streaming channels the other night, um, a whole documentary about August Wilson and his work. And um, there was, I think it was a PBS documentary from a while back. And um, mm-hmm. Two Trains Running is, is, is really an interesting play. And, and you played Hambone three times at Milwaukee Rep, Cincinnati Playhouse in the Park, and at Roundhouse Theater here in Bethesda. Uh, that's right. So that's right. At this point, you know that role, and you understand that role. And what do you think? Why do you think mm-hmm. that role stuck to you so much? And also, um, in light of what's happening with Black Lives Matter and what you see, you know, what do you mm-hmm. see as the symbolism of Hambone for those that don't know the play? And, and what do you think August Wilson was trying to say there? Well, Hambone. Well, firstly, I must. That's with my experience with two trains i must thank the one and only mr timothy douglas for um blessing me with that opportunity affording me that opportunity because he and i he's been a long time collaborator mentor teacher friend of mine for 13 years now and i first worked with him at theater alliance in robert o'hara's insurrection holding history Wow. And I auditioned for him. The, I auditioned for him the year before, and, and he auditions with his actors. And because he was an actor first before he became a director, right? And this he and is, I, he yeah. and I, yeah, he and I just clicked so well, and I love him to death. Mm-hmm. And um, but uh, there were times, but that was in you know, Theatre Alliance was two thousand seven. I didn't work with Tim again until Roundhouse and Two Trains Running. So that was seven years. Wow. But we always kept, we always kept in touch, mm-hmm. and uh, we always kept in touch. And I went in. They invited me to audition. I knew they were doing the production. I knew they were doing the show. Mm-hmm. And but and I love you know, and I love my August Wilson. Mm-hmm. I, I love love love. And uh, but I didn't submit to audition. And, and that was because I just psyched myself out and I just thought I, I wouldn't even be considered, you know, I'm, I'm not going to worry, but I'll go see the show. <laughs> I'll right. be in the audience, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but then I get an email, I was emailed and I had already done a production at Roundhouse five years prior. I was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Now. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by Jerry Witten, and that was a wonderful time. And mm-hmm. I love my Jerry Witten too. I love mm-hmm. Jerry Witten. Yes. We had a, we, we, I, had, I had a ball. Had another a ball another well known DC director. Well, you know, yes. he's fantastic. Yes. But had, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I had a, I had a, I had a wonderful time uh, with Cuckoo's Nest, and so it was five years before I came back to Roundhouse. And then they, uh, I was emailed, invited to audition. Uh, much to my surprise, you know. Mm-hmm. And I go in, and with Hambone, I knew the play. But I hadn't read it in some time at that time until they read uh, until they sent me the script, and I think I was sent the script. I for some reason as sharp as my memory is, I can't remember if I had the whole script or just the sides. But I knew the play well enough, and I knew I, I just went in and auditioned with a scene with Tim, and it was the black. I remember it was the black is beautiful scene mm-hmm. where Sterling is teaching. Hambone, Black is Beautiful, mm. and um, and I, I t- just, you know, I took the audition for what it was, I had a great time, and then a few days later I was offered the role, and uh, it changed my life, I will say, that because I've had certain roles that have done that with me. So why, why that, do you think, what, what about it, that particular role did that for you? Well, well, 
firstly, uh, the character is mentally ill. Okay. He's, uh, and I've never, I had never played a role like that before um, up to that time. And he's such a gift. That character is such a gift. He's a symbol. He's a symbol. He's kind of cut from the same cloth that Gabriel mm. is, and uh, from Fences. Fences yeah. So the t- so the two the two of them are kind of like brother characters, or like companion characters in a way. Uh, only that Hambone has much less to say. He oh, he said, you know, he going to give me my ham. I want my ham. Mm-hmm. The and, famous, the know, famous the, ham line. But what yeah. what does the ham mean? I, I mean, want my ham. <laughs> what do you think the ham means? Well, the, well, Hambone is a symbol mm-hmm. of injustice mm-hmm. and the rage that comes with injustice and having been subjected to injustice for so long that, because not much, the, the ham is a symbol of mm-hmm. being owed what you worked for mm-hmm. and, what, and what you deserved. Yeah. And, and, uh, and there's a history, like the play goes in two, how that came about, you know, with the ham business and his dealing with uh, his dealings with Lutz, the butcher, and um, how he, he painted Lutz's fence. And he said, if he painted the fence, he was going to give him a ham, and he didn't. So he said, take a chicken to Hambone, take a chicken. And mm-hmm. that just said that he, he, he became so incensed by the injustice it seemed it seemed from what i gathered and from what i, I created it caused uh, a, psych, a psychotic break a mental break mm-hmm. a breakdown if you will mm-hmm. and um mm-hmm. he would show up at this this man's business every day for the past nine years demanding his ham mm-hmm. and that was so that was his mission. He did it every day, but he didn't harm anyone. He didn't mm. cause trouble. I mean, he he might have been perceived as a nuisance, but when he was in that diner, he was a part of the family mm. because they, you know, the diner was run down. But at the same time, the the same group came in and shot the breeze and just did the thing. Only that Hambone was just to himself. He was cognizant of the world world around him but he was also he was in two different worlds simultaneously mm-hmm. he was in his own and the world around him and he was aware of the world around him but, but he the injustice that he suffered mm-hmm. caused him so much damage psychologically that he was he it, it diminished him to the point where he only could pronounce he could only not pronounce he could only say those three phases uh, phrases i want my ham he gonna give me my ham, mm. uh, and um, uh, yeah, I want my ham. <laughs> he gonna give me my ham. I want my ham. Yeah, yeah he just said yeah. He repeats it's the same, same, right? He has same, the same few phrases. So he has yeah, very I, I he has very little dialogue. So your your yeah. your performance in order to be yeah. effective has to be really a fully fledged fleshed out fully worked out performance physically, Absolutely. emotionally, Absolutely. because otherwise, Absolutely. I mean, how that's one of the hardest things as an actor to try to convey a lot with so little dialogue. Yeah. And, and that was the great challenge. And I'm one of those actors that thrives off of the challenge. The, cha- mm-hmm. the more challenge I have in front of me, the more of a challenge it is. I have much more fun. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't even matter how many lines you have. 
mm-hmm. as a character. It doesn't even matter. Your sta- stage time and line count is very irrelevant to me. Mm-hmm. It's all about the, the challenge that the character itself presents and what you can bring to it. Because I, um, I did some. I did a pretty, pretty uh, uh, dramatic transformation. I, you know, I grew out my beard mm-hmm. and uh, like really grew it out. And um, and I can do, and I'm a very physical actor, so I was mm-hmm. able to, and the costumes helped. But mm-hmm. I was um, the costumes helped greatly, greatly. Um, the late great legendary Mr. Reggie Ray, who designed oh. my first handbone, he designed my first handbone costume for the Roundhouse Run. Mm-hmm. Oh, he put the costume was just amazing. Mm-hmm. And then I had another amazing series of costumes by way of Ms. Kara Harmon, who mm-hmm. um, just won a Helen Hayes Award last year for her work on The Wiz at Thor. Mm-hmm. She put me in. She put me in one. Yeah, she put me in a wonderful, she designed wonderful costumes for me too. Mm. So they, I had, so the designers, the costume designers helped me greatly. Sure. And, um, but you know, I'm a physical actor and mm. so I was able to do these things with my body and I also wear, now this is a secret that not many people know, some do, a lot do, but I wear a denture. I wear a denture. Oh, no, I didn't So know. I, re- I removed, yeah, I removed the denture oh, and because wow. I said, Hemmel's not going to have pretty teeth. Mm-hmm. He's going to have no teeth. He's going to have no mm-hmm. teeth. Makes sense. <laughs> oh, very little. Yeah. He's, going to have very, he's going to have very little teeth. So I removed that denture, and I was able to make these. Um, I, and that this was just work that that uh, character work that just developed in the rehearsal room. Mm-hmm. But I developed a a facial tick. I developed a a facial tick uh, mm-hmm. for Hambone and. Um, it, it was a, a tick with his eye, and I moved my jaw a lot, and uh, so you could clearly see that I didn't have a lot of teeth in my mouth, mm-hmm. and so I was able to do the. I was able to do these. Pardon me. Mm, excuse me. The uh, hic- hiccuped again. Mm-hmm. Uh, hiccuped again. Uh, the I was able to make these facial contortions, wow. and so that helped. That helped immensely and that was all work i discovered on my own tim just let me run with it mm. let me run with the characterization and the creation and uh and i had you know physicality in my fingers mm. because i worked i wore fingerless gloves so it always looks like Hambone was going to touch something or he had this urge to want to grab <laughs> on to the, the, the object that was next to him he was he was it looked like he was reaching for something wow and, and i always have i always always have that's such a physical approach that you're describing, right? It's so physical what yeah. you're saying, and it's so um, exploratory. You're just willing to go for it, yes. and it's so not. Absolutely. I think when an actor is able to not have any vanity, and be able to say, mm-hmm. you know what, I, this character doesn't have a lot of teeth, so I'm gonna take out my, you know, my dentures that I always wear. Um, that is the ultimate to me of an actor who's willing to go the, the, uh, you know, the full mile, you know, the full, uh, uh, way. Oh, yes. And yes. that's so great. Yes. And, and, and that's, I was going to ask you, what was your, what is a, what would be a dream role or project that you'd like to, to be in or a role that you'd like to play? But I think you've already halfway answered. I'll let you, you know, pick one if you want, but, but it sounds like you love roles in which you can fully dive in. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I've played everything so far from scientists and doctors and, um, you know, uh, I, and Judy Moody and Stink at the adventure a couple of years ago, I played, 
I played a really dorky dad, but he was a fun dad who just wanted his kids to be happy. I had never played a role like that. It was so much fun. And, um, but you know, I, in terms of like with the vanity, you know, with Hambone, I, I, and this goes for every character I play, I'm in a complete service fully to my fellow actors, my director, my designers, my stage managers, the playwrights, everybody. Uh, you know, it's not it's not about me when I get into the room. Mm-hmm. I just want to come and contribute the best way I can. That's that's the way that I've always worked, and that's my philosophy. Uh, with uh, Hambone, you know, he was so special, and uh, he is forever special to me. So when I got the call to uh, the invite and the call to tackle him again, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was five years later. I'm five years older, and. Mm-hmm. and uh, so, you know, there's, there was a major event uh, in between that time and uh, now, uh, that time that uh, really shaped, yeah. uh, that kind of shaped me even more as a person. I was going to ask um, you, so between between the first uh-huh. time you played Hambone and then the second time um, when you were at Cincinnati uh-huh. Playhouse in the Park, you had a pretty traumatic um, event happen to you in, in May of 2014, right? You, you were... Uh, assaulted. Yeah, yes. You were assaulted after leaving the opening night of the play, The Last Days of Judas Iscariot, at Forum Theater in Silver Spring. Yes. And yeah, yes. Um, I'll let you go ahead and ex- explain to uh, talk to us about how that that obviously affected you and how you know how did that change the way you played everything? I would think, but I don't know. I, I, I would need to hear from you. What 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 was that experience like for you in terms of your well, craft and work? Uh, well, firstly, my history with The Last Days of Judas Iscariot, so that goes back some ways as well. I was in three different productions of that play mm-hmm. as well. That play, that play changed my life, and, uh, and um, that was another play where it was the gift that kept on giving, mm-hmm. like, like Hambone. So I played, I played Pontius Pilate's and Uncle Pino and Judas mm-hmm. three times, as well as Hambone three times. Wow. But the, um, this happened right after two trains closed, the original two trains at Roundhouse. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a few weeks after that closing, and I was already into opening Judas. It was an all-new production, but half of the original cast, including myself, returned. Mm -hmm. And uh, for this third third go-round, and uh, it was, you know, and, you know, it was just joy, love, fun. and then uh, opening night, uh, you know, it was, everything went well, and uh, it was a wonderful time. And I was at the cast party, and I would stay at the very end uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> to, of the night, you know, sure. for uh, opening or closing reception. And I was on my way home. I was walking uh, to uh, it was the downtown Silver Spring Metro station, and uh, there was a. This was before the station was totally renovated, but um, there was a cab depot like a cab bay mm-hmm. and uh, this was this was before lyft and uber and everything so sure. i was going to take a cab home and um i was i first stopped at the 7-eleven and i had purchased some food mm-hmm. and i was walking this was two thirteen in the morning mm-hmm. i um turned the corner i look at my phone it was a there was a happy opening text from a dear friend of mine and then I saw four young men, four young, four young brothers walk towards me, but they were kind of a distance away. But as soon as I saw them, I immediately put my phone away. I just had a duffel bag and a bag of food. Now, I never carried big duffel bags. That was one night I just carried this big bag because I had a lot of stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And um, there were also cab drivers around. Mm-hmm. They were just kind of, they were congregating, just shooting the breeze with each other. And and I don't walk the streets with fear. I, I walk with care and sure. caution. But with I don't your, walk with the, your I don't wits walk about you. Yes, you're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah I've, I've just never been that way. But mm-hmm. I. But it was like you know two thirty in the morning. So I'm still watching out for yourself. And um, when I walked past them, you know, it was just going to be like nothing. You know, just walk past them. Sure. And uh, the next thing I felt, it felt like being slammed into a body of water and you're being drowned. Mm. It, was, it was this weird feeling. Uh, and I, my, well, I was hit in the face. I was punched in the face. I was sucker punched. Mm. I'm not sure if um, they had brass knuckles or if it was just a really strong fist. Mm. Um, but my entire right cheekbone was shattered oh, um and my orbital bone near my eye was heavily damaged thankfully i was wearing glasses mm. because that saved my eye more or less because i would have been blinded in my right eye sure um i my head hit the pavement and so i had massive head injuries and mm. facial injuries and um and i was bleeding profusely uh there was blood everywhere just kind of like little pools of blood in the streets uh not to get too graphic for your listeners i apologize well no and, i mean it's what happened so you know it's the reality and and, uh-huh, and uh it was a robbery it was not a targeted crime in that respect but it was targeted in the sense that it was a, a random opportunity robbery it was an attack of opportunity so you believe they were they were after your your duffel bag or your large yeah, pieces yeah, it was, of yeah it was just my yeah because i didn't know these people they right. you know i didn't i didn't i couldn't even positively id them and it's funny that they and, didn't so they didn't ask you for anything they just went no, right in no wow wow no, they just yeah, they just walked terrifying. they just it was a yeah they just walked past me and uh a fist met my face and wow. um and the next thing I know, I hit the ground, uh, mm. but I wasn't unconscious. Mm. I was very disoriented. I'm very, uh, I'm, a, I'm a bit, I'm very physically tough that way. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, but, but my, my, I was, I was disoriented, but I wasn't unconscious, thankfully, because mm. that would have been even worse. Because uh, mm. I more than likely would have bled to death, especially if no one was around. Oh, and, and, um, but I sprang to the, the last thing I remember before they took off, they took everything on my person. But I wore a silver ankh around my neck for many years that belonged to my great grandmother, hmm. and and that was when I was trying to get up from the ground. One of them just grabbed my neck and just yanked it oh. off my neck and took off into the night. Hmm. And of all the things that were stolen from me, that was the one thing I was upset about. Sure. But my my wallet was recovered, um, my ID, everything. Um, hmm. I had a. A tablet at the time of the iPad that was um, stolen and it was pawned and they were able to find one person who uh, did it because I still had packaging information so he was able to be tracked down oh, and wow. um, yeah my sister was and I were working with the detectives mm-hmm. and uh, but that but that's still in the evidence room I have a holding tablet <laughs> that was wow. years ago now that was yeah. six, wow six years yeah wow, six years amazing. ago but um, so then that that uh, you know, I never went to court or anything because I couldn't ID them. Sure. And uh, but the one person that kept uh, that they did 
find he kept popping up in the news for other incidents after that uh-huh. uh, where he would fight and attack other people for mm-hmm. various reasons wow. and so i i was i was kind of in the news for a minute even almost a year after it happened oh i remember um, reading about it one, the, i read about it in the washington yeah, post I, yeah yeah it was everywhere it was kind of like a national news story mm-hmm. and but you know the reason why it became so I think was because of the support from my community and everyone rallied and came and visited me in the hospital. Many stayed with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I was there for two and a half days and I had uh, two facial reconstructions, two surgeries. Wow. And, um, but the, the, the love from the community, my community mm-hmm. and the, I'm still wrapping my head around that. The love and support from the community and people just being there. Um, I never thought that would happen. Mm. And had I not been in a show at that time, I probably wouldn't have said anything Mm. because I I tend to be a little more of a a private person on that end. But given that I just opened the show and, you know, the show had just opened. And um, so I had to, folks had to know. And um, so then, uh, but but the love and support from my community, um, that will stay with me for the rest of my natural life, uh, Mm. my, my life period, because I... It, it was just, um, I can't even <laughs> really describe. Oh, how, yeah, I can imagine. And I'm how, so glad that you got that support. And I'm. Yeah, it makes yeah. me feel a bit better uh, to know that because, you know, you don't always know what's going to happen. And you're getting that support from the D.C. community. Is, yeah, is really and you know, big. there were, I had, yeah. No, it was really, it just showed, I was so happy that, my community was highlighted because it showed how wonderful uh, of a community we are and how supportive of a community we are. And, uh, and I had got some support from strangers, you know, people that, um, you know, through messages and Facebook and everything and social media. And so people from people that I didn't even know. Right. And that was, um, that was a wonderful thing. And, um, and the anniversary is always, it gets better as years pass, but you know, I had I've had many dark days long after that attack in terms of like dealing sure. with it and thinking. But I still have very bad flashbacks because of it. Mm-hmm. But um, I but I'm I'm um, I'm managing and uh, and I was only away from Judas for two weeks. Wow! And then I I came back and because I was determined to come back to my show. Sure. And, uh, sure I, I, I think I was. I think I was quoted from the hospital room. Uh, I think it was on DCP at Cena. Someone had <laughs> recorded what I had said because I had done so many interviews, you know, on the phone and sure. the camera. The, even the news cameras came in. You can still see my hospital interview on YouTube. Wow. where my face is yes. one side of my face is destroyed, and, mm. uh, and but I've only seen that interview one time. But I said, you know, that that's a, I only need to see it once. That, oh, that's okay. Right. Well, and I mean, as an actor, that's got to be difficult, aside from the fact that anyone who is assaulted like that, it's a horrible experience, right? Emotional as well as physical. But as an actor, as someone who earns your living with your body and your face and your voice, that must have been terrifying for you also because of the the physical damage to your instrument. And you're, you know, you're like a violin, you know, and... and, 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 That's true. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. that must have been a whole other... Um, a saga too to get through the the reconstruct the surgeries to get through. Um, did you have to do a lot of rehab or anything of that kind? To, to... Wow. No, not really. No. Okay. Um, I 
I do remember the first thing I said when someone came up to me. It was a gentleman when right after the attack. He had just gotten off the bus. He had the light to the bus. Mm. And he sees me standing there. And, uh, and I looked at him and I asked him if he could call the cops. Mm. And because he sees me, I'm, hold, I'm literally holding my face up. And wow. uh, because there was bones sliding into my sure. head. Mm-hmm. in other parts of my head and and there's blood everywhere and i remember the next thing i said was how am i going to finish my show that was the next thing i said wow <laughs> that's yeah it. as I an actor that's the first thing that goes through your your mind right you yeah, know, if, if you damage a, your body in any way yeah well um listen i mean that's quite an experience and thank you for sharing that with us here um i know it's very yeah. personal and it, it's it's not easy to do but um it's it's mm-hmm. no go ahead Oh, no, I was going to say that, uh, you know, it, it doesn't get easier, but um, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it's, and so, but, you know, I just try my best to keep, keep moving and keep soldiering on and keep living as best I can. Um, in terms of like it, informing my work as a result, or it, it definitely, it definitely changed me to a um, pretty sizable degree as a person. Um it's it's reshaped my view on the world it hasn't it hasn't changed my love for people mm-hmm. but it's it's shaped it's reshaped some things and in terms of the work i i can't really say whether it's deepened my work but or strengthened my work but it's changed my work Mm. in the sense in the sense that i've always been a very self-aware person but it's made me even more aware even more self-aware so there's a there's a higher level of self-awareness even more so now and it also had um it's made me look into even further why people do what they do the mm. human condition the ah. human condition why why do we do what we do or why do we make the choices we make why do you know so i learned a lot about myself in that in that respect you know when i played um lucius jenkins and jesus hop the a train at first stage well i was going to get there so i was going to tell you that you know a mere four years later in 2018 right so you you really made uh you know lemonade out of those lemons because in just four years you won the helen hayes award in dc which is dc's tony award for the outstanding lead actor in a play for your performance in jesus hop the atrium which you're just going to talk about at first stage so what was that like that that turnabout i mean that must have been something to do that play Oh, you and I, uh, the Robert Prosky Award for Outstanding Lead Actor in the Play. I mean, that's just an honor in and of itself, you know. Right. For and, those who uh, don't know, Robert, Robert Prosky, yeah. I was going to ask you a follow-up question about Robert Prosky, but go ahead about uh, Jesus um, Hop the A-Train. How was that experience for you? Okay. Uh, another wonderful, life-changing experience. Um, I had to, Well, at that show and the show I was in prior... Uh, Terrell Alvin McCraney's wig out at Studio Theater. Two life-changing experiences, and I did them back-to-back. And uh, two wonderfully intense plays for different reasons. And uh, But with Age Train, um, 
I came in as a late replacement on Wig Out, and uh, but with A Train, I um, auditioned. I think it was almost a year before, if I'm, if memory serves. I think it was about a year before, and or months before. Um, gosh, I don't know why my dates are getting confused. Oh, that's fine. But, when, but we're we're. When we're yeah, but what was, yeah, was, what was a, the it, kernel of that experience for you? What was the most important thing? We're almost out of time. Oh, so what was what was the thing that was really oh, the most important for you from that from that experience? Of course, you won the Helen Hayes Award, which is amazing, but I'm yeah. sure the experience itself, what did that mean to you? Um, oh, it, it uh, well, of course, that was the vilest character I think I've played on stage to date, uh, mm-hmm. the most monstrous. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was something, but I, I love Stephen Adley Gierkes' work uh, because his work just speaks to me. And I almost think I have a bit of a symbiotic relationship with his, his writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I want I wanted that role and I wanted to go out for it because I wanted to test myself. I wanted to push myself. Mm-hmm. I wanted to challenge myself. And I, and I was going for that role. I, you know, I auditioned and called, went to the callback. And, but the it was life-changing in the sense that you getting into the mind of this person mm-hmm. who, who knows violence and, uh, and having been someone, speaking of myself, who mm-hmm. has endured violence and uh, mm-hmm. of, different, of different, different kinds of violence, that it, it's, um, I, I just wanted to understand mm-hmm. that, that character and why he not necessarily why he did what he did and what was his purpose mm. for becoming for becoming this prison messiah and becoming you know religious and trying to convert people what was his purpose for doing that what was mm. his goal what was he trying to achieve right. and and because the play is just all verbal jousting that's that's it sure. there's no there's no real um extreme like extreme action uh there's an inciting incident that kicks the play off but um there it's all verbal jousting and philosophy and Mm. the character was also very funny it was also very Mm. funny and kind of charismatic Mm. but uh but at the root of it he was a very disturbed and uh evil person Mm. Uh, he was vile he was a monster and uh, he was on death row and Mm. he spent the entire play trying not to um die he was he was trying to live mm-hmm. he wanted to live and uh he he was trying to keep from going to the um table to, to have the uh, lethal injection and um but my main reason for tackling that character was because, uh, well, firstly, several main reasons. I love Gerges. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love Gerges. Gerges, excuse me. Uh, the playwright, work. yes. And, and the playwright. And I, um, I wanted another challenge. I wanted mm-hmm. another challenge, and, um, and I wanted to challenge myself. That's, that's one of the ways I feel I do, um, I do okay in this work, is, is if I continue to challenge myself, and um, I, I, that's the fun. That's the fun. Sure. And well, we're looking forward to seeing what else you challenge yourself with uh, once we're out of this uh, pandemic and once we're able to get 
um, you know, more live theater up there and running. But in the last 20 years, you, you surely have proven that you like challenges and that you're willing to try yes. a, a bunch of different types of roles. And, and you're a character actor yes. really in the truest form. And I think um, uh, we should all be, I'm proud here in DC that you are a DC uh, product. Thank you. And, and that you're representing DC Thank in you. the best of ways, not just in DC, but uh, in other cities across the country as well as your work is expanding. So thank you so much, Frank, for doing this for us. It's really wonderful. And um, keep us posted on everything you're doing. If people want to follow you, do you are you one of those people that's heavy on social media? Do you have an Instagram or a Facebook or a, what or, or, or is there a website or what, what do yes. you recommend people do if they want to keep following yes, your career? I need to get a website. That's one of the things I should have been working on. This <laughs> now's the time, but, uh, right? <laughs> now's, the, now's the time, right? Um, oh. No, I'm on uh, Instagram at, uh, my handle is at Frank Britton Actor, B-R-I-T-T-O-N, Actor, all one word. And I'm on the Facebooks because I'm, as you might know, uh, Stephen, I'm big in social activism, social justice, yes. racial justice. That's my, that's uh, um, you know, black Black Lives Matter uh, hashtag absolutely, um, and I've been a, you know I've been with that movement since it started, and um, so that's been very important to me, and it still is, and forever will be. Uh, so that's um, that's pretty much where I am now. And uh, but in terms of stages, I hope once things get back on track, um, they'll have me back. I haven't been on DC stages in almost two years. Wow. So hopefully, yeah. um, well, you've been so busy. You've been in uh, Milwaukee. You've been in Milwaukee. You've been in yeah, Cincinnati. Milwaukee, yeah, but, Cincinnati. but you'll be back, I'm sure. And I think as soon as we reopen and everything is happening, that uh, DC theaters, the stage in DC is going to want another dose of Frank Britton. We're going to want to have you on stage again uh, soon, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Doing something challenging, no doubt. Thanks I, so much, I, Frank. I hope so. I really I, appreciate I, you I really taking this so. time to do this with <laughs> us today. Thank you so much. And continued success. No, you're most welcome, Stefan. <laughs> Take care. Oh, thank you, Stefan. You too. You're most welcome. Thank, thank you, you, Frank. Bye-bye.